Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Boom. M.M. Oh, M. Lambert. M.T. Livingston. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm very well. We're, so for our listeners at home, we're in the, the auditorium sitting in the only bit of sunlight yeah. up there because it's free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We look like goths. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just all black, almost, yeah. covered in our black jackets, black yep. jeans, sitting in this tiny... Although goths would avoid the sunlight. They would, like, we're sitting Traditionally. in Traditionally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, even the air con, it hasn't really warmed the room up yet. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a slow burn. It is. It'll get but, um, yeah, I'm It'll glad get for there. this bit of sunlight. So. <laughs> How was your long weekend, Murray? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Went uh, over to visit my uh, my dad's side of the family. So um, I think I may have mentioned before, George is the first grandchild that side of the family. So he's very spoiled. Lots of aunties and uncles doting over him. And uh, yeah, we are. So <laughs> he met his uh, his fur cousin. <laughs> so my, my sister has a. Oh man, I'm gonna get the breed of the dog wrong. It's a GSP. It's like a something. It's a pointer. It's like a hunting have, dog. Okay. GSP. Anyway, they are obsessed with this dog. Her name's Jaja, which is like a Hungarian name. Okay. Because um, she's got Hungarian heritage. But yeah, they are so so obsessed with this dog that they go on like dates with other people who own GSPs. Okay, wow. I've never heard of GSPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like a hunting dog. So very beautiful dog, kind of like speckled brown and white. Got the like the long ears and the pointed nose and they're supposed to, I don't know, hunt ducks or something. Okay. Do do they use it for hunting? No. No. Not at all. So I was a little bit judgmental when I was like, because I'm very like pro like get a shelter dog. Yeah. And then they were like getting this like super like bougie breed. But then apparently her partner Nick, like him and his mum used to breed GSPs. Okay. So he's very passionate about this okay. breed. I'm like, okay. Fair enough. But you know, each their own. Yeah. There is there is something to say about a nice, like, well bred dog at yeah. the same time. Well, well honey was the first puppy I've had in a while because in my early 20s, my parents got two rescue labbies. Yeah. And that was kind of what I wanted to do if yeah. I got a dog. But yeah, yeah it's hard to get um, spoodles mm. that are rescue dogs because... Because <laughs> <laughs> they're good dogs. We yeah, want to keep yeah, that yeah. spoodle. Yeah, Labradors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she is a beautiful dog. Yeah. I see the appeal. And also, I think you can't be necessarily super confident that you're getting a hypoallergenic dog mm. when you get one from the shelter. Yeah. Which I know is like maybe part of the that was part the need of it, yeah. for the Livingston. Yes, so I so. respect that. I respect yeah. that. Actually, <laughs> yeah. we took Honey on a puppy play date with the Stevensons okay. dogs. With Chester and Cleo. Very cute. They're, they're, they're cute dogs. They are. They go along really well together. There's I, lots of like chaos when they first met and then... Arisalva, they're running around, chasing each other, having a grand old time. So, you know. I have got on the record previously saying I don't like King Charles Cavaliers. Okay. The Stevenson's dogs have won me over. Okay. They, they have go. a lot of personality. They're beautiful King Charles Cavaliers. Yeah. So there you go. They won me over. Yeah. 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 I, um, so are you definitely like more of the like the shelter side in like your household and Rachel's more of the like, let's get a, a thoroughbred or is it just... Um, yeah, look, I think probably more my side of the family. Mm. It can divide yeah. people. It can, yeah. Mm. 
I didn't really want a dog. Like I had to say, <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> just yeah, Rachel. I she didn't have to twist my arm. She had to like break it <laughs> to get there. I was pretty anti getting a dog. Yeah, but um, here yeah, we are. Here we are. We have a dog. <laughs> Six months later. She's part of the family. There's yeah. a bit of a like a meme on the internet of like, you know, dad said he didn't want the dog and then like three years later the dog is like literally just laying on him. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, is, is there already a bit of that? Is she uh, winning you over? She is, yeah. I, I was quite clear that I was like, I'm not training this dog. Sure. It's all on you, Rachel. We sure. get it. So But yeah, she will sit down. She doesn't listen to me. She took off yesterday into the paddock next door. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh, I had to run in and go find her and carry her out <laughs> it's all just a game it's it was a game it was a game anyway so oh, like, that, that's a terrible segue into experiences well that that was a challenging experience for you it was yeah there you go. how did you grow through it how did it like bring grow. you closer to God <laughs> learning uh, to be a shepherd yes <laughs> you know lost sheep that run away yeah. see boom we saved it beautiful segue segue um, yeah it's experiences so Murray, yeah. thank you for bringing yeah, your message. Ah. I think it resonated a lot with me about the idea of privilege. Mm. Using our, yeah, misusing our privilege, I yeah. should say. And so that really resonated with me. Yeah. And so, yeah, do you want to unpack that a bit for us? Yeah, mm. totally. I think, um, yeah, I think it's something which is um, very in the sort of cultural vernacular today, like privilege and being more aware of privilege. Mm. Um, yeah, like whether it comes to gender or race or even just, you know, nationality. Um, but yeah, I think that it is actually also something that's like quite biblical. Mm. And I think that in some ways privilege can be one of the most valuable assets that we have in this world. Mm. Like we think of, um, you know, a, a degree we think of, you know, a house, we think of like a family and, and, and friends and contacts, you know, mm. that we have. But ultimately, I think a lot of the time I can overlook the, yeah, just inherent privilege that I have and then am not super thoughtful about how I can use it well and mm. almost be a good steward of the yeah. privilege which I've been given. Well, I think too, like I, when we reflect on salvation, I've been reading a book about Paul like for Paul, and we're saying that I was saying this to you before. Like he didn't see himself as a Christian; he mm. saw himself as the fulfillment of Judaism. Sure. Like for him, this is like a life-changing. Yeah. I'm part of the Messiah family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's now no Jew or Greek. We are one. We are. Yeah. And that's how the church was treated early. It was just another sect of Judaism. Totally. And totally. Yeah. I wonder how many of us actually reflect upon that as like we are part of the promise given to Abraham in Genesis 12. We are immensely privileged. We yeah. have the right to be called you know, sons and daughters. Amen. God. And yeah, you hear it sometimes. We are, you know, children of the king. Yeah. And so, how are we using that privilege, totally. that status we have yeah, yeah, yeah. to bless the world, which is what Abraham's family was called to do be a blessing upon the entire world? Yeah, like, how yeah, are we yeah. fulfilling that as Christians, yeah. as Messiah people? Yeah, it's so good. And I think there's also something interesting in, um, you know, probably similar to, uh, say, wealth. Mm. You know, that when we use our privilege, uh, there can be like a little bit of like a cost in it as well, mm. right? Like, so I think of like Paul, for instance, like I'm sure his life would have been a lot easier <laughs> to not stick up for the Gentiles, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. To just like, as somebody who had grown up as a very respectable Jew, like mm. as a Pharisee and like someone who obviously was already in the fold of Judaism um, and had that respect 
to yeah just allow i suppose like the new gentile christians if you know yep. obviously they wouldn't have been gentile christians <laughs> back then gentile jews yeah. <laughs> um yeah like fighting for their rights almost right and sticking up for them i mean yeah obviously the the perfect example of it is jesus taking on flesh mm. giving up his his sort of privilege ultimately and, and humbling himself to then bless others um yeah, I think there can be like a bit of a cost associated with using yeah. our privilege to bless others, to yeah. help others. I guess that's too partly what Jesus is saying about picking up your cross daily sure. and following after me. And Paul even says that about Jesus in that great human Philippians. Mm. You know, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, himself, yeah. Humbled himself, became a servant. Yeah, came a bit into death, even death on a cross, and so, and that's what Paul's like. Hey, that's your mean to be your attitude with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think like it can be like ignorance is bliss. Like yes. if we're not aware of our privilege, it's probably like a pretty like cruisy life to live. Mm. But ultimately, when we start actually checking that privilege, I think that there, yeah, that there is, and I think ultimately we and others are better off for it. Mm. Like, which is kind of the point I was trying to make. Yeah. Like. Somebody who is unaware of their privilege is just so unattractive, is yes. so unfavorable to others, right? Um, yeah, so like an example that I sort of like didn't use um, was, you know, James and John walking with Jesus, you know, through Samaria. And, you know, essentially they say to Jesus, like, oh, should we, like, bring down, like, fire on, like, these Samaritans? Like, essentially, like, and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 like, you've totally missed the point. Um, and I think that ultimately, like, you know, because they didn't recognize the position of privilege there and like, I mean, very few people in history can say they've literally walked with Jesus, yes. <laughs> like with the like incarnation yeah. of Jesus for like three years. Mm. Right. Um, and yeah, like they just didn't understand and thereby the way that they saw, um, being a steward of their privilege was, yeah, to, to curse their enemies, to judge them, to bring down this. I guess this is the challenge with, between the old and the new, mm. is that James and John are just doing what Elijah did. Yeah. And that whole, when Paul talks about being zealous for God, sure. violence, he's talking about like Phineas, the high priest, who shoves a spear through the Israelite and the Moabite woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elijah killing the prophets of Baal. Even Elijah calling down fire on uh, sure. yeah, <laughs> those yeah. soldiers. Um, yeah, yeah. They have soldiers, and that's what they sort of seems like. But Jesus is reframing that whole yeah. understanding of God and judgment. Is yeah. it's no longer a physical warfare thing. It's actually going to be upon His body mm. on the cross. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. huge change. And so, as disciples of Him, is we have to reframe how we are. We, yeah. People who turn the other cheek, we pick up our crosses. Um, yeah, and it's like it's a, it's a challenge. I think like it's. Um, like my experience, um, I suppose um, it's actually really uncomfortable. Like mm. for me personally, like um, so. Like I think a good example would be um, like my theatre degree, where you know I just actually had to recognise like this really sucks and is really hard for me to swallow. But just as like a white male, there are so many more roles for me in plays than say my mate who's black or my mate who's Asian or even, you know, my friend who's a girl, right? Mm. And wants to be an actor. Um, and so like essentially the, uh, I suppose the crux was like, yeah, it's actually easier for you to pursue this career than for me. Mm. 
and I think that um, that can be something which, like, when someone says, like, you have it easy, mm. you're like, well, hold on, like, my life isn't easy, like, I've had struggles, I've yeah, had, yeah. like, hardships, and I think maybe, like, a better way to frame it is, like, you know, you have had it less hard. <laughs> like, I know that sounds like such semantics, but I really think, like, it is important. Mm. Because, like, I don't think anybody's life has actually just been, like, wall-to-wall easy. Like, Mm. we're living in a fallen world. We're living with, you know, mortal bodies. Mm. Um, Even the most privileged person still has, like, struggles. Um, It's not that they have never had struggles in their life. It's just that there's other people who have inherently had more struggle. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I I think it's so hard... You know, it's it's sort of like asking a fish, like, what's water? You know, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, like this is my lived existence. Mm. Like, I don't know what wet is. Yeah. Like, I'm always wet. wet. Um, so, yeah, I think that it can also be really helpful, like, getting mm. to know people a bit outside your bubble. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that, and that's really tricky to do. And I guess if we tie back to the New Testament times with Paul, that was a big part of his letter to Galatians mm. is that hey you can't just make these Gentiles follow Torah yeah if you want them to be circumcised hey go the whole way just cut yeah. the whole and thing off mate <laughs> like, you know yeah, totally. um, yeah and that was highly like irregular by that mm. time like, like to become a God-fearer like a Gentile Jew that was a pretty big process and you were, weren't allowed into the temple yeah you were like, okay, you, you kind of follow our Torah, but you can stay out in this part, the outskirts, but we can go in here. We yeah. are the privileged ones. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. And it's in Ephesians. Paul talks about the yeah, wall yeah. being broken down. Yeah, totally. It's, yeah. And we kind of used that language, but at that time, very radical. And like what we were saying before is that if Paul hadn't stood up the Gentiles, his life probably would have been a lot easier. Sure. But this is the new covenant. Mm. And it's that awareness of those around us who are weaker yeah. and more vulnerable and yeah yeah actually this is what jesus has come to do made yeah. himself a servant yeah so. yeah and i think like ultimately it does uh, help us to take up a posture of thankfulness mm. which is like such a christian sort of value mm. right of, of perhaps not really followed very well yeah 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 it's um Something I struggle with. I'm, my personality is glass half full. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of where I'm a bit more pessimist than optimistic. Oh, like glass half empty. You know? Oh, yeah, empty. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, more pessimistic than optimistic. Yeah, and that's uh, and there's times I I mm. probably really struggle with that. I would go, mm. oh, woe is me. And so I actually learn, need to learn to be more yeah thankful for what I have. Yeah, I don't think you're um, alone in that. Mm. So like I, I wrote this like little. Um, like one of my essays for college, I was talking about like the shift of like cultural like positivity. Mm. And I used like, this is such a like dumb example, but if you look for example, it was specifically like the lens of like how Christianity is viewed as like from like sort of neutral to cynicism to like pessimism. So if you look at the Simpsons, for instance, like the sort of personification Mm. of Christianity is like the Flanders. Yes. And ultimately like, it's a little bit cynical, like mm. looking at them, you're like, oh, like you guys, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, um, there's still like maybe some like moments of um, 
redemption with them. Like you're like, well, at least like they're a happy family, I guess. Mm. So like you know, like they're not yeah. necessarily seen as completely hopeless. Like there's something to them, even though like ah, uh, they kind of believe in like God, like whatever. <laughs> they go they go to church, but then you like see like a show like Rick and Morty now, where, like the first episode of the show, like within the opening credits, the like main character Rick Sanchez is like God is dead. Like the sooner you recognize that, the sooner you'll be happy. Like, this is, like, the opening line, kind of, of this show. I think, like, that, like, can apply to our world. Like, Mm. that we're, like, slowly moving, Mm. like, from cynicism, like, into pessimism. Yeah. I think that, like, inevitably will affect our outlook on life as well. Well, that ties in really well with... My next question is, like, well, how do our experiences, our life experiences, Mm. shape our view of God and Christianity? Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I I think it's, like, innate, right? Yeah. Um, I think the thing for me is, I think, I think I've recognized as I have matured and on some reflection, some little moments that have actually been like so instrumental to informing like my theology. Um, so I don't know if I've like used this example before, but like growing up, I really like loved the comedy of Ricky Gervais. Now, obviously, like, he's an atheist. Mm. And he has this one joke about how Old Testament God is, like, an old-school 70s dad. New Testament God is, like, a new-age dad. He's really kind and loving. So, it's okay, it's okay, I forgive you. Like, every, like you're loved here, it's safe. Um, now, if you're going to, like, break that down theologically, like, that's, that's dualism. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like yeah, that there's yeah. two different gods, ultimately, mm-hmm. that God is inconsistent in yep. his nature from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm. That's like literally a heresy yes. <laughs> that like the early church freaked yeah, out that when that Marcian, started getting yeah. taught, right? And now that I know that in hindsight, I'm like, oh, okay, but ultimately like that, that little joke told from somebody who's an atheist like totally informed my theology yeah. in that moment. Well, it's interesting too because that's a pretty common perception for a lot of Christians. Sure. Is that... Yeah, when did I speak about Marcy? Whenever I preach about yeah, it, like, yeah, a few he's, weeks ago, yeah. he's influenced a lot of people. No, most Christians have never heard of Marcy, no. but he, he's influenced their view of Old Testament, Old Testament, violent, unforgiving, yeah. law's terrible, New Testament's better. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Gotta love. And yeah, you just yeah, sort yeah. of ignore the fact that, yeah, in Acts, <laughs> Nice and Sapphira are struck down dead. It's a really sin. hard passage to like, wrestle with. Yeah, and like, and the result of that is everyone's fearing the Lord, which everyone kind of thinks is an Old Testament thing. It's there in Acts. Yeah. You've got Jesus tearing shreds off the Pharisees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You whitewashed tomb. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Jesus speaks a lot about judgment. Mm. They'll be going to the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's yeah, not exactly yeah, yeah. sunshine and roses. And no, no, it's not everyone like singing in a yeah. circle with like daisy crowns. So on. there's, yeah, there's, and I think what you said about that, the split between old and new, it's a heresy because like that's yeah. the thing is God's immutable, which is a fancy way of saying unchangeable. Sure. And if God changes, and that's quite terrifying. Yeah. If He could change, it's. The, the form of judgment has shifted yeah. from animal sacrifice to his son. But totally. God's the same Yeah. yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, absolutely. Can you think of an example mm. in your life where mm. some experience or yeah. even something someone said like affected Shape. your theology or your walk with Christ? Yeah. I have lots of examples. Um, a really lame one is when I was at year seven, yeah. I went to this youth outing. Yeah, I don't think you could do it now. It was a bonfire night at, yeah. Um, yeah. at someone's like, um, yeah, house. And um, I remember the, the older kids were swearing. And I was like, oh, if they can do it, then that must be okay. Yeah. That was one just <clears throat> example. 
But I think like recent ones, obviously Asher, and just mm. wrestling with. I, yeah, never really personally experienced lots of hardship in life, mm. like like my parents had mm. and Rachel had, but never like apart from losing grandparents and stuff. Like, mm. so that was probably the first time really actually practically lived down. Oh, if I say God's good and God's all powerful, and yeah. like looking at this little kid that's eight weeks old and on death's door, yeah. so that really gave me a lot of, I guess, greyness in life. Sure. So that's when that's when I became very attracted to the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah, is that there's these unanswered questions in life, mm. and so that's and I really carried that along now. It's as I've yeah. from that experience. I'm happy to say I don't know. <laughs> People yeah. ask me why did God? I remember someone asked me in the bushfires on why has God allowed the bushfires? Like, I don't know. Sure. And they were really disappointed. I was like, well, what, yeah. what do you expect? I don't have this answer for yeah, why yeah, yeah. these things happen. And yeah. It's the big questions, and that's why a book like Ecclesiastes and some of the Psalms of Lament, you actually start to see that these were the questions that. Mm prophets have wrestled with which the yeah wise biblical yeah, yeah. teachers wrestled with and yeah. we're left with the same questions here in 2022 and mm. that's okay to not know totally but for us we know that jesus he lived he died he's resurrected he's reigning i'm like okay that's kind of that's my certainty yeah, yeah, yeah the rest i just have to sit under that sovereignty of god and mm. the uncertainty of that and for some yeah. people it's really hard it's really hard they want answers they want to know black and white which is would you say it's like hard for everybody at times Uh, to understand why God does things no just to like be able to sit in the unknowing well I think it depends on how you're wired Mm. and for some people particularly as westerners because we're influenced by Greek thinking which is permeated in our Christianity which is But why I get systematic theology textbooks, which, you know, divide God into like these, like, yeah, God's immutable, unchangeable characteristics, yeah, yeah, yeah. all these, you know, <clears throat> omnipotence and yeah. all that omnipresence and like all that. So you try to categorize things so yeah. to kind of fit in this sort of neat bundle so you can understand yeah. where the Bible just tells us stories. Yeah. I just, my favorite weird narrative in Genesis when the three strangers rock up to Abraham. Yeah. And it's Yahweh. But there's, Two of them are described as angels who are men. And then when the two angels go down to Solomon Gomorrah, it's got Yahweh and Abraham talking. But it's a man. What is going on here? Yeah. And text doesn't answer it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got Jacob wrestling with the angel of Elohim. Doesn't say Yahweh, the angel of God. Yeah, yeah. And then after, you know, he touches the hip and he goes, Oh, I've seen the face of God. And it's like, so is he wrestling God? God? Yeah. Who yeah, yeah, it's just that's what I think I love about the Hebrew Bible. It just doesn't give us this like systematic yeah. leaves us like these narratives where it's sort of like, oh, what does that mean? Yeah. I don't know. And mm. that, that's what I love is mm. that yeah, the unknown, which I think and I've said it multiple times, the rabbis would read scripture two handed and yeah. in the middle was the mystery of God and that's to be celebrated. So yeah. I think that's probably hard for some Westerners in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we want an answer where yeah. people are science and science gives us answers but yeah. scripture doesn't always give us answers mm. we want it leaves us with mystery it sort of reminds me a bit of something actually um when i was at acting school they used to talk about if you can find like the uh the contradiction in a character you found their essence mm. so for instance like if someone is a professional ballet dancer and their fa- father was a truckie 
you're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, that, 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 yeah. that, that's like the essence of your character. That's mm. your, almost your two hands, right? Yeah. That's your balance. And like, I found that a lot with like the character of God mm. and like with scripture as well. Like it's almost like the places where like scripture seems to like contradict or seems to like not make sense mm. and like almost be, yeah, a contradiction seems to be like, that's where the meat is. <laughs> like, mm. that's where you're like, oh, okay. Like now we're getting into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, rather than that being something that we avoid, um, almost like not not with the expectation to always come out the other end with a definitive answer, mm. uh, but the moments where I've kind of like gone down that tunnel mm. <laughs> or down that you know sort of rabbit hole, I think like quite often um, if you go in there with the right heart uh, and with a willingness to come out the other side still not mm. knowing. Uh, it can be really formative. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, like, you're completely right. Like, for me, uh, yeah, with, like, Em's, like, mum passing away, um, like, so young. Um, and, like, the thing with her was, like, you know, she was, like, praying. She was going to, like, healing rooms. She was, like, she... Yeah. From my sort of viewpoint, mm. it almost seemed like she was even closer with God during mm. her sickness like she definitely didn't withdraw from yeah. god it's it felt like she leaned even mm. further in um it's sort of like yeah like what else did she have to do to yeah. get healing right <laughs> like, and that's and i think that's the real difficult questions in life and part of shaping your experiences why are some people healed and others aren't yeah like i've probably shared this before after asha lived in hospital we carried a bit of survivor's guilt yeah because there are other like kiddies who died while we were there for sure and probably like, like who you got to know yeah and like, we had a friend some friends from college their little boy had a heart condition he died uh, about 12 months after asher sort wow. of about finished hospital and even when we were in hospital last year there was a little boy that died in the room next to us and it's like yeah these are huge yeah. like things to wrestle with why yeah, the day Asher went into cardiac arrest, I remember they told us they like you know he's got a few hours left to live. So I called we called our family just to sort of prepare them that you know this is the end, and we were pretty private the whole time. Rach messaged about twenty five people just to sort of let them know what was happening, and then anyway, our friends at Parramatta Baptist stopped their service and they prayed. They said, "I still got it," of them just praying in their service. My father-in-law sent a message to someone from Hillsong and they prayed for him in their service. All these people started praying. And I was like, well, was it the prayer from this person that answered? Was it... Mm. Because the same with our friends whose little, whose little boy died. He was featured in the local newspaper. People were praying. It's a similar thing. It's like, well, sure. was our faith more? Was it like there's less? And then when you start asking these questions, yeah. you go down this really dangerous territory. And for some people, when you put formulas in life um have you heard of Joni Erickson Tater uh, she she when she was a teenager she dove into a river and broke her neck and so now she's a oh, she'd be in her 60s now she's written a number of books she's a Christian and in one of her books she opens up um, with how this man came to her and said oh God told me to pray for you for healing and she's like oh, I always love being prayed for and you know she's in a wheelchair gets prayed for doesn't get healed and he goes oh you must have sin in your life and so when you start going down that route where healing is always God's will, you either you either yeah. don't have enough faith or you don't have enough healing. Yeah. And Which is, yeah. Also, 
Uh, I'm using this word like yeah, a yeah. bit heavy-handed, but mm. it's kind of hilarious. Because yes. you read like mm. the story of the blind man getting healed by yeah, Jesus, yeah. and his disciples literally ask him, "It's like, was it because of his sin or yeah. his like, parents' sin?" And like, Jesus is like, neither. neither. Like, so it has nothing story. to do with that. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I suppose the befuddling thing is he says it so that God could be glorified. glorified. Well, that's well. This is what Joni talks about. I can't remember the book. She's written so many, but she said like, for me, being paralyzed is actually for God's glory. I've accomplished more yeah. in this state of life than yeah. I ever would have been healed. And some yeah. people really struggle with that. And that was one of the things when Asher was first diagnosed, a number of people were praying for his healing. And I said, don't, I'm not praying for that. And they go, what do you mean? I said, I feel like his life is better lived having this condition than being healed. It's so sort of like, oh, whoop de doo He got healed in the womb and mm. that's nice. Mm. Yeah, there's sometimes in life actually going through challenges that actually is more spiritually growing. Sure. It's like the whole idea of resilience is, you know, you go through something difficult to come out stronger. Yeah. And yeah, so that's where I see experience and faith really playing is how do you use this to strengthen your faith? And mm. perhaps we'll talk about this this morning about happiness. Are you calling it the pleasure pain yeah, sort pleasure of syndrome pain. of the West? Yeah. Yeah, if your idol is either pleasure or. Avoiding pain. Yeah, pain, then you're yeah. going to be miserable because you'll just yeah. avoid anything that makes you unhappy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is very fascinating because um, I think ultimately there's this idea as well. It's like the when you're seeking pleasure, <laughs> ultimately, like, it's going to run out. Yeah. Like, no matter what it is mm. that, you know, even, like, if you're having an amazing meal, if mm. there's, like, unlimited, like, you know, Wagyu <laughs> yeah, beef, yeah. Like, your stomach has a certain capacity, yeah. no matter how, like, mm. you know, big your appetite can be. Or, you know, even if it's, like, drinking the best wine or, like, mm. whatever it is, like, it's going it, to... Whether that supply runs out or your capacity <laughs> to enjoy it, yes. you know, like, even if you're, at, you know, having the most amazing time overseas, mm. like, you got to sleep, you got to go home at some mm. point, like, all these things. And even ultimately, you're going to die, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> Life's going to end at soon. some point. Um, and... Mm. Yeah, it's it's this fascinating thing of um, I I really see like the spiritual moment that people look for in a secular world a lot of the time as like travel, mm. like that's their heaven, right? Mm. They like kind of get in this plane and they fly up into the sky, <laughs> go to this like magical place yes. where they like don't have to work and they get to like mm. enjoy like great food and like great new experiences and you know, just have the time of their life and then fly home. It's, I almost feel like it's the secular way to visit heaven. Like mm. it's the closest that's way. A really, that's a great thing um, to get to. That's, yeah, great insight. Yeah, but then they yeah. have to come back home. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. But they, I, I feel like, yeah, there's people I know who are constantly just working towards that next journey to heaven, mm. you know, via yeah. <laughs> a trip somewhere. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, I remember being asked in my, yeah, it was pastoral recognition interview, and they asked how Asher's experience had influenced mm. my... Uh, so I said, like, you know, there's a difference between happiness and joy. And they go, oh, what do you mean? I said, mm. well, yeah, happiness is, can be very easily popped, versus joy is very different. I said, look, if I... Uh, I was pretty honest. I said, look, if I was trying to avoid unhappiness, I wouldn't have come to this interview. Because I had to drive out here in an hour of peak hour traffic, wow. which I despise. Like, but, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I know there's bigger things. Like, this is an important interview for me, yeah, so I'm going to yeah, sit yeah. in traffic for an hour yeah. to get here. 
Yeah. Like, that's what we do. Like, people would say, if I, if I called up and said, I'm not coming in because of traffic, say, you're an idiot. Sure. Like, yeah. like that's, that's what a terrible excuse. But we do it all the time. We suffer through mm. inconveniences for a bigger purpose. Mm. And that's how life is meant to be lived. Yeah. I see that as, yeah, part of that whole, part of that carrying across each day. Mm. It's like, well, you know, you yeah. for a bigger thing, you suffer inconveniences for a higher purpose yeah and division and i think like there's also something about i I don't know like what are your thoughts about this i'd love to know if there's like a a biblical passage that you can think about that supports this kind Mm -hmm. of theory it kind of sounds a little bit like um new agey but i do believe that like if you don't like learn the lesson that you're supposed to you'll end up, like, just constantly being stuck in this cycle of, like, needing to learn the same I'd say lesson. it's a Proverbs. I'd say Proverbs. I reckon, like, sure. Proverbs 1 to, like, 9. <laughs> I reckon that's the whole point of... Yeah, I mean, like, like I suppose, like, a, a, like a um, dog returns so, to yeah, its vomit, so yeah. a, fool, a fool returns to his folly oh, kind yeah. of thing. Um, like, this idea that, um, yeah, the importance of recognising our experience to mm. move forward... Um, and yeah, that that importance of, of continuing to learn, like mm. having that posture of being a lifelong learner. No, no, yeah. Well, the other thing too is, which I had a note down here, it's this idea of like, what's the fruit of your spiritual maturity? Yeah. So if you're not growing, making disciples. Sure. Then, and you said it too, there's the, like in your sermon about the danger of plateauing. Yeah. So just sort of, just get to this point and that. Yeah. Yeah. Just become you just sit in the cruise control. Totally. And so like I'm Go going anywhere. through this sort of like book at the moment about discipleship, um, and it kind of like breaks it down into like different stages of spiritual maturity. And it's sort of saying like, you know, a spiritual infant, which again, like it's very interesting. I spoke about being an infant mm. and being self focused. And this idea that, you know, like for example, my son George, five month old, if he's not self focused, like he'll probably die. Yeah. Like that's why infants are so self focused, because mm-hmm. If, you know, they don't get food, if they don't get that heat, if they don't Mm. get that sleep, like, it could be really detrimental Mm. to them. I think, likewise, there is actually value to someone who genuinely is a spiritual infant, who's new in their faith, being self-focused, you know, not being like, oh, okay, cool, like, you've just given your life to Christ, let's get you, like, serving, let's get you discipling, let's get you doing... It's like, Mm. whoa, 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 I still need to grow myself. Like, that's going to be detrimental to my faith. And there's actually start. a biblical precedent about not sure. putting someone in leadership too early. Sure. Otherwise, they might become conceited and actually fall like Satan. Sure. Like, it's actually quite yeah. a biblical process. There's steps totally. to take. Totally. And, like, so this idea of, like, you go from, like, infancy, where it's, like, literally just about you. It's just mm. about you growing into, like, being a child where you're starting to, like, get connected into realizing that this thing is, like, bigger mm. than you. Um, into like being becoming a spiritual adolescent where you serve right in like mm. ministry and I think that that and I like speak from personal experience mm. as well is where a lot of people actually stop in their faith mm. journey they go okay cool like I've become a Christian like I know sort of the, the gospel mm. I know the good news I'm connected in a community of fellow believers and I, I min- I, I'm serv- serving mm. in a ministry right cool like I'm ticking all the boxes right but what this book kind of suggests is that the final stage to be from spiritual adolescence to spiritual parent is to be a disciple who makes disciples, mm. to suddenly be parenting others. Yes. And that might be someone who's older than you, someone who's the same age, someone who's younger. Mm. But this idea that if we miss that last step, we actually stay in spiritual adolescence. Mm. 
Mm. Um, and then I like I don't know. I, I think that there's something to say about a lot of Christians who then become bored in their faith mm. because you know they're, they're a teenager. I mean, that's like yeah. one of the almost um, categorical postures of like a teenager being bored, bored yeah. because they haven't yet like stepped up into their full maturity of like you know like I don't think you speak to many adults <laughs> who are like looking up, like raising a family, like working full time, like, uh, you know, thinking mm. about thoughtfully discipling others would say that they're bored. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very good point. I don't know. So yeah. I think like that in continuing to grow in experience mm. and seeing that, that next step and then sharing that experience with others mm. I think is something which is really important to our growth. I did this course once on, um, it was on being like a volunteer chaplain in um, mm. Baptist care facilities. Mm. And I recognise from that I'm not called to be a chaplain in a yeah. nursing home, but one of the things that resonated was actually celebrating getting older. Mm. So our culture idolises youth. Yeah, and 100%. so. And for them, they're saying, like, growing older is actually, like, something to look forward to spiritually. And they use yeah. the, like, a real case study of a... She was a nun who, in her old age, was wheelchair-bound, but she was so happy. Because wow. she's like, oh, I can spend more time praying. I've got more, like, time to, like, yeah. actually grow close, closer to God. And she goes, as I get closer to death, I'm more excited because, oh, yeah. well, this is just, you know, and I get to be with Jesus soon. Where they had another guy who was just miserable he mm. hated aging he actually for an elderly person had quite good you know functionality sure, still, yeah, but yeah. like was miserable mm. and they said like it's a difference in like how you look at the aging process and your experience rather than yeah. seeing it as like oh well this is a blessing yeah sure my bodily functions are shutting down yeah, sure, and sure, you know sure. but for him it wasn't a spiritual thing it was mm. you say you're miserable and so that, I, I just even that, that idea of yeah using your experiences you can mm. be very joyful yeah the situation you're in yeah even if it's not that great from the outside yeah oh man that's like the most sort of i I think that's going to be a constant challenge for everybody to Mm. look at their current situation and their hardship and be like no this is somehow for good yeah like somehow god is going to use this Mm. for good like that is that is much easier said than oh, done. Oh yeah, totally. Like, all God, these things are. like you know that classic thing my old church used to be like at the start of reserves, like God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. I'm like, yeah, like cool, but like that's that's harder oh. to really believe. Like when you're in the thick of it, it when is, you, yeah. you know. Yeah. And there was, yeah, going back to hospital. There's times where it's like, mm, do I still believe that? Yeah. Like, do I actually still believe that? Like, as I'm praying for, like, Asher, and it's like, seems to be every time we pray, it gets worse. Yeah. It's like, hmm, do I still believe God's all good? And you can see why people, have you heard of, what's he, um, Abraham, what's he, Rabbi Kushner? The, he, he, God yeah. is, yeah, he wrote a book, which I can't quite remember the title, but something along the lines of, God is good but not all powerful. That's his argument, is that. Because he, because he endured some horrendous tragedy, lost his wife and kids, and so he kind of came to the conclusion that, well, God is good, but He's just not all powerful. Yeah. And so that's how why there's evil in the world. It's like, oh, God is a good God, but He can't stop evil. Otherwise, where the Bible te- doesn't teach that. And so, yeah, and this is the, yeah. the tension in life. Yeah. Experiences. Well, we believe in an all-powerful, all-controlling God. And Hebrews tells us Jesus upholds the the yeah. world by the power of His word. Yeah, 
and he's good. And so, yeah, and I think that's part of being a follower of Jesus is wrestling with that tension. I think it's why it's like, like I understand why there's some people who have like the theology of cessation. Because mm. I'm like, if I, if, if I actually believe that the Bible teaches that like spiritual gifts mm. are no longer available to us in the modern day, well, that, that ties up a lot of problems. For me, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, if I yes. don't believe that the Holy Spirit heals anymore, mm. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, of course, like, people who are, like, God-fearing, like, praying, mm. you know, like, too young, you know, like, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. of course they die. Yeah. You know, because, like, the Holy Spirit doesn't heal anymore. Yeah. But I think one thing that you said once, which is really cool, I, I think you may have been, like, kind of riffing off someone else, but there's this point of every single person that Jesus healed still died. Yeah, I was riffing off someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I, that's so good. Mm. I'm like, yeah, like it was a foretaste, right, of what mm. was fully to come. And ultimately, even Jesus's physical healings weren't complete. And like, intentionally so, mm. right? Like, there was no sort of uh, impotence, as mm, like mm, Rabbi mm, Kushnamai yeah, yeah. suggests. But yeah, this idea that ultimately all of this, like, healing in our in our age, isn't isn't complete. No. Well, I, was, I think I said that time, Lazarus isn't still alive and kicking, going, hey, 2,000 years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was raised from this tomb and yeah. he's dead and buried along with the rest of the apostles yeah. and all that generation of Jesus' day. Totally. So I think with experience, that starts to, that wisdom starts to inform, mm. like, what is, what is actually the, the reason mm. for supernatural healing, yeah. which is like point towards something greater. greater. Yeah, old NT, right? Signpost. Yeah, like right. Sign, signpost yeah. for the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we can fall into the trap of thinking that like we can make heaven yeah. fully realized yeah. right now without uh, Jesus. Yes, <laughs> over-realized eschatology. Yes. There's your big word for this morning. There we go. Yeah. What a way to wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, over-realized eschatology. It's a so, fancy way of saying, yeah, bringing heaven here now. Yeah, in, in, in its full completeness. Mm. Um, so I just realized that we don't actually have the person who's preaching next week here to give us we a little don't. teaser. We don't. The person who is preaching is Brian Codrington. The great Brian yeah. Codrington. Um, so we have do, a, has he even told you what he might be preaching? He has not. I haven't, because I was away last week, so I haven't even he's spoken actually, to He's actually given me a little teaser. <laughs> Okay, of course, you know. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a little teaser. Yeah. He's actually um, wanting to wrap up all five letters of shape oh, cool. through the frame of um, Paul's life. Oh, cool. So looking at how those different oh, elements cool. of shape, yeah, have sort of, yeah, been fundamental to Paul's ministry. Mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, because I've got... um preacher's pick for the next few weeks yeah next few weeks so we're gonna, I think we'll have to have a few guests on yeah because uh, Lou's going to do one you're going to do a preacher's pick too yeah it's going to be good and then I think there's no one in there somewhere I think we might have a, a dedication a dedication yeah yeah that's well. right yeah which I, I'm looking forward to that week as yeah, well chatting more about be. baptism and yes, dedication yes. and what all that looks like unpack that so that'll be all good stuff so, so good <laughs> alright well thank you dear Listener, I was going to say dear viewer, but you can't see us. Dear listener, <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe yeah, one yeah. day. It's a little YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's um. Thank you for the chat. No, thank you. Mark. It's been a pleasure. It's been yeah. a real experience. <laughs> Got to finish it strong. Okay. So, all right. Well, thank you, everyone. We will talk to you soon. See you Anyone? Sunday. See ya. 
Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.